weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of the shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 395, Mr. Savage. A really long intro, huzzah! I'm telling you, man, after doing Dudes Who Bet Daily, and it's like, do 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 and then you're there, that intro feels like it takes forever. <laughs> we can revise that. Uh, we can ask Brian Stillman for a uh, a shorter intro or something like that, and we'll play the long one to get us out of here. Hey, we're watching uh, Race 8 at Colonial Downs right now because Nick Feldman in the chat needs the 7 home, and... Uh, Arna Delacour, Trevor McCarthy riding on the turf. I didn't look at the PPs, but he's pretty well bet here, Mike. Yeah, I mean, 72, I think, favorite or second choice. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. 12 was the favorite. Never loved me some outside posts going two turns on the turf, no matter what course it is. And this is another one where two to one on the 12, it's kind of almost auto play against for me, just because I, I like we we talked about it in the cross country pick five. The horse we both faded that went off, I believe, right around even money at Saratoga ends up running sixth. Um, and I got a horse we both like, Ricochet home at a big number. But we got like Ellis got us, man. What's up with that? Ellis can suck a dick. <laughs> I hated that. My God. So it, it was. We knew we were. I knew we were in trouble when my strongest opinion, other than Jackie's Warrior, which hey, big whoop, was fame in that uh, allowance race. I was gonna. I had a double single, and then I was three deep in the Jim Dandy. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I still didn't get that other Ellis race home with the turf one. I was taking a shot against the favorite, but. Where's this? Oh man, the seven's got no run there, Nick. Yeah, I'm he's bottled up. Zaya is here getting a win on the. the well, I'm assuming Sate's going to hold on. No, the inside. No, nope, that inside horse. <clears throat> it's interesting. Interesting to see Zaya as a colonial. I, we were talking before the show. I, I maybe I should start looking at colonial. If these are oh, did that eight rally? Oh, yeah, five got it back. Okay, that was fun. I mean, there's some decent turf racing here. I, I'm not a huge CDI fan. Obviously, we talked about that quite a bit. Um, but there's, there's decent turf rating, racing, good, pretty good pools. It's fun for Monday and Tuesday. There's not a lot of really good Monday-Tuesday tracks. I'm an anti-parks person. It's good for tournaments. Not going to really bet it with my hard-earned capital over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, to me, it's it's more of a, it's one of those tracks I might have to start looking at. Although, Monday has officially become the day of the replay for me. I, I don't know about you, but I watched every race from both uh, Saratoga and Del Mar again today. And there are so many trip notes and so many things you're looking back, especially in these turf races at both tracks. And we're going to talk about some of the stakes races uh, on the turf. And like, man, the, the Eddie Reed, like if you go back and you watch that race, I, the 11 has a ton of trouble. The nine has a ton of trouble. Tango, Tango, Tango blows the turn, but was running huge before then. Like yeah. there's all of these different trip notes you can come up with. And that's just a single stakes race, let alone all of these different maiden levels and N1X allowances where, where you have a lot better chance of playing back at a price. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I, you know what you talked about, you know, beat your, your harder and bankroll. I, I had a rough weekend betting wise. I had a lot of close calls. I, I did the math right before we went on air and I really shouldn't have. Um, Cause I knew that. So, so I knew slim was a huge fan of soldier rising. And I knew a lot of people that I trust really like Gunite at seven to one. I was like, let's do a straight pick three. Let's use our close. Slim's talking about like all of the horses slim's been hyping up so far this year. have been running really well. at Saratoga meat. Gunite being one of them, and he ran really well. I was like, all right, we'll throw Arclo in there. 
Uh, I had a, you know, a $20 daily double straight Arclo into Gunite. I did the math about how much that was worth, even if I had just, if he was the same exact odds as Rock Emperor, I'm going to spit on his name every time. Um, <laughs> how often that, if they were the same odds and they weren't, he was a better price. I would be a much happier man than I am today, Mike. Uh, Saratoga just really bit me hard this weekend. Well, it's it's interesting. Jared and I did the show, the Dudes About Daily show together alone on Friday. And he gave out the nine, Arturos, who I was on as well. We're going to talk about that race. And then two later was my best bet of the day, the five. I did the same thing. I played two $25 pick threes, one cold and one with two horses in that middle leg. I missed the middle leg and I didn't I didn't cash a win bet on either horse. And it's just like yep. sometimes you're just kicking yourself. It's like, hey, dumbass, just bet to win. Or, you know, we talked about this a little bit last show. The fixed odds world, man, when you can make your own daily double, wouldn't that be wonderful without paying juice twice? But we're not quite there yet. And you could still just do a win parlay if you really liked it. So you can kind of do it, but you have to be really disciplined to do it. And that's kind of not a lot of horse players. So <laughs> it was just one of those things. Again, every now and then you get reminded just bet to win. Fortunately, I, I listened to myself and I did that with American Revolution in the Bing Crosby, which was nice to get a seven to one price home and just pop the win bet there. But it, like, it's so frustrating when you have multiple winners in a pick three sequence and you, you didn't play either of them because you liked the both that bookends. But that middle race is the one that gets you where your big opinion wasn't. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. That happened to me on Saturday, too, with that same sequence. And uh, <laughs> the prank wasn't prank on the other end, like a couple races before when she romped. I know that was a big one. We were all fans prank of the Prank was bank. Sunday. Yeah, prank was that Sunday. That was Sunday. Okay. Uh, listen, all the losses blend together, Mike. <laughs> they, uh, it's just a lot of hurting. Get get used to hearing the name prank. I mean, she was yes. special. I, and and she, went, she went 21 and change to open that race. Uh, this is a Todd Pletcher two-year-old that debuted at Saratoga. I believe it was in the fifth race or sixth race. Sixth race um, at Saratoga. Started at the pick five, second leg of the pick six. And she went 21 and change for an opening quarter and then went 12s home the rest of the way, which is phenomenal for a two-year-old. I mean, phenomenal to go 21 and then be able to sustain 12s after that. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, listen, as, as Dr. Tang says, rough weekend to say the least, frustrating him. I know he was frustrated because he was in the Del Mar Summer Challenge, but special shout out, friend of the show, Tyler Hoffman, got fifth. In the yep. tournament, uh, almost 9K in earnings, which I know there was a lot of chalk, so the actual amount uh, that people were winning by wasn't really that high. But uh, he still, listen, he got fifth, and he got that BCBC entry, and that's all that matters. I believe that's the second BCBC for Clan Hoffman. Uh, so they, they, I think they're rolling too deep now in the BCBC. And he awesome. was alive to win the whole tournament, to the two in the last race, and uh, got cooked up front on that one. But it was uh, definitely, I was watching it well. Lily and I watched the race together Well, she was going to bed because Delmar is so freaking late these days. Uh, but yeah, heck of a run there. And, and Doc was in the top six heading into the second day, just couldn't kind of sustain that run. But that's a, I didn't realize it was a two-day tournament. That's absolutely wonderful. It's a great prep for Breeders' Cup, too. So anyone playing BCBC, that, that Delmar tournament's a great prep for it. Uh, listen, there's a lot of people talking about uh, who it. But we'll get back to this. I want to know what the hell tossed his frog means because that's an awesome term. I like that. Uh, it, it, I, I actually read this article because I, I didn't know what tossed a frog meant either. So it means that there's like no padding, essentially. It's a, a triangle part of the foof on the back part of it. So basically, there's no padding underneath it. Ooh. What it sounds to me like is a big fat excuse for why they're going to retire him after that race. Well, more hot takes like that coming at you in just a few seconds, Mike. Let's get into the show without any further ado. Riders up. Oh, the chat is fun. All right, let's start things off, Mike, with really the best bet that I made all week, and it was thanks to Shadi for uh, making the call here uh, on Epicenter. In the Jim Dandy stakes, just a field of four. 
Uh, we were talking about the great field of four here. And who who picked the Preakness Stakes winner as finishing last in the field of four? No, nobody did. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, is Epicenter the best three-year-old in this crop, bar none? Oh, man, you always do this to me. He's definitely the most consistent. I'll put it that way. If you if yeah. you ha- if your life was depending on a horse running well, you'd pick Epicenter because there's a lot of little there's a lot of noise around it. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, how can you say no, right? Because he has basically won every race he's been in Sansa Kentucky Derby, which we all know what happened there, and the Preakness, where you got literally the worst ride in the history of time. And so you take those two races out, and this horse is, is on a monstrous win streak. Obviously, lost one in Fairgrounds. We didn't see the horse come up come out come up outside of him. But he puts in an effort every single time. The consistency is absolutely phenomenal. It's a 102 buyer. Like This was just one of those where you just kind of have to believe that Epicenter can just kind of keep rolling like this. And I don't see why he's not the favorite in the Travers now. I don't think there's any way he doesn't break from the gate as a favorite. Yeah, I mean, he was the, the if he wasn't the favorite here and then went to the Travers, you're like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to be a favorite. But he was already favored against a horse that's beaten him. So uh, that seemed like they had a better pace set up. Uh, then he got in the race where he beat him. So, um, listen, a, a fantastic uh, fantastic ride from Joel Rosario. Let's talk about that a little bit, I guess, because uh, on the reaction that I did for the channel, when he broke and was fourth <laughs> on the rail, I thought, Jesus, here's the Preakness all over again. What are you doing? Now, luckily, there's only three horses in front of him instead of seven when you did it this time. But uh, you were at the track. When Epicenter did that, did you just sit there and go, what the hell are you doing? I mean, I texted the, the facepalm emoji to the group. In the first quarter mile of this, because like what, like what are we? I I thought you'd see much more of the nest ride where you're like, hey, I'm just better than you all. I'm just going to go and I'm going to run away from you, right? Which is exactly what Nest did. Um, right. Here, Epicenter. I mean, Joel put a little more randomness into this this outcome, um, but it's interesting because uh, right now it just says exit full screen magic, so that didn't work. Oh, well. sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so right now, like it's it's interesting because when you have these short fields, and we've seen a lot of these short fields at Saratoga in graded stakes. Part of it introduces some some randomness to the to the races, right? But another part of it introduces some very like the best horse is going to win, and that that's it's weird that you have both of those factors. But when you have any type of a normal pace, which is what this was, the best horse is going to win because all of these horses are within a few lengths of each other, and talent will win out. And that's kind of what we saw in the situation where you know they didn't crawl up front, they didn't go 25, 50, and the epicenter is trying to make up four lengths into that slow of a pace. They went 24, 48. I mean, this is an honest pace. And when you have an honest pace and you have epicenter only three lengths to make up on that, and it's the best horse and there's zero chance you get in traffic trouble. Well, minimal chance you get in traffic trouble. You never know with Joel. Yeah. Uh, you got to think the best horse is going to win. And this is, I don't know if I've ever seen a jockey win easier graded stakes on the same card than the two that Joel won here back to back. Cause I, I don't think he moved a muscle either race and cash, cash both those checks. Um, I watched very closely in the replays. Uh, he didn't hit either horse. And I think he actually probably worked Jackie's maybe a little. Well, I don't know. It'd be, we can debate which one he, he worked harder. You're right. I mean, he just looked so confident. Um, I mean, at the top of the stretch, when I saw how confident he looked, and that by that, I mean, he didn't have the whip out and wasn't going crazy. Like you already see Jose Ortiz is doing. Yeah, I was feeling fantastic about this. Uh, right here, I, you knew it was over. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. He's further back and like he's wide and everything, but you can tell Joel's like, I got horse, like a lot of it. And I'm just gonna go right on by you guys when I ask him at all. And that's, that's exactly, exactly what happened. The Lecomte when he uh I'm sorry, the Risen Star. Um, the Risen Star when he did win from off the pace, that's what he looked like. Like if you watch how Rosario rode him in the stretch, it was just that confident, like, nope, I'm not gonna panic, I'm not gonna push you too hard. I know exactly what I've got. And uh a, a jockey like him, the Ortiz brothers don't necessarily do this as much, but 
he and Pratt, Rosario and Pratt love to do that. If they're on a horse that they know is the best, you never see them panic. They're just confidently moving them like that. Um, let's talk about the rest of the horses here. Zandon, first time that he gets a triple-digit buyer, which, by the way, uh, Epicenter, I think this was his fourth straight, yeah, fourth straight 100-plus buyer uh, in the, uh, for his um, career. Zandon finally pops 100 buyer. You know what the – Pace didn't set up well for him. I thought this was a really good effort. And if he gets six, seven, eight horses to face in the Travers, I think he's got a better chance. Yeah, I mean, this this field uh, was a negative for Zan and Antony Port. And honestly, early voting, too. I mean, it, it favored – the less horses in the field favored the most talented horse as long as something screwy doesn't happen, right? And in this <laughs> right. case, nothing screwy happened, which meant it was a big-time advantage for Epicenter. I mean, this was one of those spots where Zan had the jump on Epicenter. Zandon just wasn't good enough here. I mean, it's just that the bottom line is Epicenter is a better horse than Zandon. So if you run these exact same races again, and Zandon has a two-length lead on Epicenter, but there are eight horses in between them instead of zero, it can make it much more difficult for a horse to come from the back of the pay, back of the pack. And, and you all of a sudden have traffic trouble introduced. Maybe you're buried on the inside like we were in the Preakness. There's a bunch of different factors that can come in. When it's a four-horse field, and the most you're going to go is three wide, and you've got more horse, and there's no funky thing happening up front. It's just a lot easier for the better horse to just run right on by. And that's what happened here. So I, I think introducing more horses is a positive for everybody else in this field because it creates more issues that Epicenter could possibly run into, especially if he's going to be this far off the pace in the Travers. So let's talk about the Travers now. Well, let's hold off on that for just a second. There is another race that is worth talking about before we get to the Travers. Uh, well, you know, early voting, uh, he was in, in the paddock. He was a mess. Aaron was texting us that he was looking very, very rough. And uh, on the track, he looked like a mess, Mike, from what I could see. And then they even had to open the gate just to get him in it. Uh, it, it ran rank. Not a good race for him. Do you skip the Travers with early voting and aim for, like, say, the Pennsylvania Derby, which is you know gives him a little bit more time to get over this? Um, man, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to go with no, because I don't think Clarevich has another Travers horse. And I'm thinking they probably want to Correct. be in that race. Okay. Um, and, and so I would, and like, look, he looked terrible. That doesn't mean he's going to look terrible again in three weeks, four weeks, whenever the Travers is. If you right. look back and I like, remind, reminds me of Secret Oath, who Aaron notoriously said she looked awful in Arkansas, looked incredible in Kentucky. Like yep. things can change in four weeks. And, and, you know, this is one of those situations where I think Chad Brown's going to make a decision in a few weeks of whether or not you want early voting in there. I don't think you make a decision that quickly. Let's not forget this horse did win the Preakness. Like this isn't yeah. like a horse that you're like, well, it's not really proven. It was taking a shot. No, this horse is proven already and it did not look good. And I think obviously we, if we all saw that Chad knew that in the paddock too. Yeah. So you got to think that he's like, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens in a few weeks and kind of come on back from there. I don't think I wouldn't overreact to this effort from any of these horses, except I would say Epicenter definitively proved he is better than this group of horses, which we kind of already knew. I mean, we knew he was better than Zandon. I thought he was better than early voting. Yeah. You know, it, I still would lean toward that being true. Even, you know, some people may say, well, early voting wasn't himself today. And that's possible as well. But to me, Epicenter is still the, the, the logical favorite in any race he enters and up until the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, let's talk about uh, staying within the three-year-old division here on Friday. Artorias may have emerged as Chad Brown's best hope for the Traverse Stakes. Uh, his stock is going up, up, up. Wins the Curlin Stakes in just his third career start. He's now two for three and had a very nice debut as well. 95 buyer here. You would expect more improvement from him next time out. Uh, should he go to the Traverse? And what about Gilded Age as well, finishing second? 
Hell yes, hell yes. I mean, what like Gilded Age didn't get going until a bit, little bit later. I think the additional ground helps Gilded Age here. And yeah. as for as for Arturius, I mean, man, if we didn't see what we saw from Epicenter, this was going to be the like going into Saturday. I would have bet this was the most impressive three year old we we're going to see at Saratoga. I didn't think we we're going to see as big of an effort as we saw from Epicenter in that race. Arturius here looks phenomenal. I mean. Like breaking from the nine post is not easy at Saratoga going a mile and eighth. Look how quickly this turn comes up. You're going to sit four or five wide here and then kind of tuck into that two spot by the time they actually get into the turn. Look how low Irad is in that saddle. And then he doesn't really get comfortable until here when he pops into the rail, saves all the ground. He looked so freaking loaded around this second turn. Like you knew the race was over and creative minister actually tried to come up on him a little bit just to stay close. Cause you could feel like creative minister's jockey realized, Oh shit, we're in trouble here. Right. Like Arturius is loaded. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, once he got, and this was kind of the perfect setup for him in a way where make it big backs off that pace setter right when Arturius wants to swing out too wide and he's able to get that run, but creative minister got the run right behind him. And Arturius dusted him. The horse that was moving the best at the end was Gilded Age, not Creative Minister from that perspective. I would hope, look, I would be shocked if McPeak doesn't run Creative Minister back because he does that, right? I would hope that Gilded Age ends up in the Travers because of Mott. And Arturius deserves to be in the Travers and possibly as high as the second choice in the Travers off this effort. Um, I pause it because here, Gilded Age is right back here. If you're watching live or the, the YouTube here, if your podcast, just bear with me, babe. He's this far back, and I was watching because I bet him in this race. I thought it's Bill Mott's birthday. Traditionally, always wins on his birthday at Saratoga. He only had one runner, and you and I had drafted this horse in the dri- Triple Crown Fantasy League. We knew they were had high expectations for this horse, and it just seemed like he's a little bit of a late developer and definitely a a plotter. Watch what Junior Alvarado is already starting to work on him. Uh, Alvarado going a mile and a quarter on this horse in the Traverse is going to earn his paycheck, whatever he gets paid, because he's already going, come on, come on, you big animal, get going. <laughs> and he he, he kind of loses a little bit of ground here to like Creative Minister, who he ends up beating. And you wouldn't have expected that he was going to beat Creative Minister here, especially when you look at right. the tra- trail of the trips here. Creative Minister saves every inch of ground, inch of ground. Uh, uh, Gilded Age is four wide into the stretch, five wide in the stretch. He gets fanned way out wide. So it's interesting to kind of see the two of them. And right here, you can see that split where that four backed up. The nine is able to pop right off and just run right past AP Secret. And Arturius is able to just, just absolutely open up here. But again, we didn't really reach the bottom of any of these horses. Like, this isn't all out here. I mean, he gets hit a couple times down the lane, but he's not all out in this race. Jackie's Warrior wasn't all out. Uh, Epicenter wasn't all out. I mean, we there's there's more in the tank for all three of these horses. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, and, and that's the Irad way is that right at the 16th pole, then he lets up. So when you see that, that's when he's like, okay, I've got a big horse underneath me as well. Uh, great effort from Gilded Age. I think uh, going to the Traverse, forgive me, i got to move this out a little bit. Uh, going to the Traverse, I'm a little concerned he might become the wise guy pick because, you know, it was a very nice closing effort. You would think mile and a quarter, he should be better, and he's definitely bred to handle it. Um, is he a good long shot underneath play, thinking we'll probably get 8-10 to 1 again, or do you kind of want to shy away from him? I don't know, man. Like the problem with Gilded Age is it. This was second off a layoff late in the three-year-old season. It's a six hundred thousand-dollar horse, so it has every right to improve. There wasn't much in this past performances that says he's a Travers contender before this race, right? And so a lot of it is okay. How much stock am I going to put into this specific effort? I don't think this is going to be a wise guy horse. I think it is going to be an underneath horse for a lot of people because this is the classic underneath horse that you look for going a mile and a quarter, right? Yep. Someone who can get the distance. Someone who's coming from off the pace. A long enough stretch, a long enough race where you get the close, the speed to kind of back off, and the closers are able to kind of pick up the pieces. But 
this is the first time we have seen him in this tier of a race be that competitive and the waters are about to get deeper right i mean that's the thing is is that oh wow. We're going to have multiple horses coming in that are better than anyone in this group, or had been better coming to this race. Arturos may be, maybe the exception there. But the waters are about to get a lot deeper, and so it'll be interesting to see how he handles that and what price he is. I think that's yeah. a big part of it. If you give me fifteen twenty to one, yeah, I'm using him underneath. If he's eight to one on race day, he's probably a fade for me. Uh, other Travers contenders, real quick. We talked about the Haskell winner Cyberknife for Brad Cox. He, Brad Cox may send homebrew. That's another trainee that uh, he won the Pegasus. Uh, probably a cut below, so it'd be a little surprising. But uh, already Cyberknife and uh, and Tony Port for the Travers. Maybe Taba. The problem with Taba, I forgot about this when I was talking about it before. He needs a new trainer if he wants to run in the Travers. He yeah, might just well, go Pennsylvania Derby. He, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, Tuscanova ran a, a Baffert horse this weekend, right? I mean, How did it do? I meant to check. Did it do well or not? Made the lead and quit. I mean, it was it was a very yeah. fast race. We're going to talk about that race in a few minutes here um, in the three-year-old sprint division. But very fast race. Made the, Piners made the lead and then just completely oh, backed right. off it. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, if we get Taba in the Travers. I would be surprised if we do. I think that we're probably going to avoid that. Um, but maybe we'll have a barn switch just so that Taba can be there. Uh, we have Rich Strike, who's still pointing for that I race. forgetting about him. Which I cannot. Like, Rich Strike, is. I please run him everywhere you can. I love betting against this freaking horse. Yeah, Gilday's way better than Rich Strike. Like, significantly better than Rich Strike. So it'll be interesting to see. We should do a prop bet come Travers time. Gilded Age versus Rich Strike. Who's going to finish closer I bet, to the I bet you get plus money on Gilded Age. I'm not even kidding. I bet Rich Strike goes off at like three to one in that race. I bet you. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's, there we go. Home brews in the West Virginia Derby. Thank you. I knew that horse was training for somewhere. The West Virginia Derby will be this Saturday. Check racingnews.com for a preview from Aaron Halterman. Anyway. I don't think we've heard yet about Nest, um, who the, the who's a possible uh, there as well. Yeah. Um, there were a couple other horses that were very good on debut. Curtis Manlow mentioned one of the horses that's kind of coming up. Um, here it is. Price Discipline, who's a Clairvitch horse, uh, who's now uh, three races, two wins in a second. And that last win was at a mile and an eighth. So you do have a couple other horses that, you know, maybe we're going to take a swing here or there coming in. And you always seem to get a couple horses that no one's talking about that enter the Travers because it's the Travers as well. Oh, yeah. Price Discipline. New York bread. That's right. Uh, with Curlin on the bottom side. Um, yeah. $300,000 New York bread. There you go. Uh, that's a good one. We'll keep a lookout for him. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, uh, we're gonna come back to senior Pupskador. Don't you worry about that one. Uh, all right, let's. No one, no one bet me anything on it, so it worked out great for me. Aren't you glad? I'll bring it up later. But aren't you glad I didn't take you up on that bet? No, I, I like the. I, come on, he would have won if, if you'd bet on it. That's why. I Honestly, uh, what I thought about it afterwards, and I really just I didn't care about the tequila you offered. I cared about Aaron's tears if Parnelli had actually hit the board, and he came really <laughs> close to doing it. So. Uh, Let's, let's focus. we got the sprint division first to talk about here. The Vanderbilt won race before the Jim Dandy stakes. And while the Jim Dandy was exciting because of the finish and who was in it, this was exciting because it was how much does Jackie's Warrior win by. I said he wins by four, and Rosario let up the gas at the end there. So could have been four or more than that. Uh, listen, Jackie's Warrior, record fifth grade one win in Saratoga, by the way. Didn't realize that till afterwards. He's got the grade one four go at seven furlongs up next. At this point, what does he need to do differently just to make sure he wins the Breeders' Cup, Breeders Cup sprint when he lost it last year? Well, I mean, dare I say what I tell jockeys never to do, to do. What did he do in this race? Took back a little bit. He raided the horse. Why did he lose the Breeders' Cup sprint last year? <laughs> Suicide. It's a wild pace tool, and you have to often have that in the Breeders' Cup sprint because you have so many horses in that race that want to go to the lead. Right. 
in this case, Delgado specifically ships in the six to try and push Jackie's Wario so that Willie Boy gets a little bit better of a setup. And Rosario lets the six go. Right here, he knows if I want to clear, I'm going 20 sub like low 21s, and it's gonna it's gonna gas out Jackie's Warrior, and then he's gonna have to have a monster effort to be able to win. Or I can pull up a little bit, roll to the outside, and then make my move when I want to make my move and be in hand and win this race. I mean, I hate saying the words rate your speed, but maybe in a race with a shitload of speed, you should rate your speed, right? If you're able to do this, if you're able to do it. And clearly, Jackie's Warrior is able to do it here, right? So, And we've uh-huh. seen seen Jackie's Warrior do it against Life is Good as well. It's far superior horse to anyone in this field. So, I mean... It'd be nice I, to Doc Amster. I, I, I was being nice to Willie Boy, New York traffic, man. Um, to me, this is one of those situations where... Man, I, I hate telling a speed horse to rate their speed, but but when you're rating when rating your speed is twenty one and two or twenty two and two, then then just go twenty two and two instead of twenty one and four, and you got a much better chance at the end to have enough horse left to win like this. I mean, I stole it at five eighths and fifty seven, and he was just jogging. I mean, it's ridiculous how good that horse is. I'm so happy um, that they kept him in training for age four because uh, it would have been so easy, especially after the Breeders' Cup sprint, to say, look, he had a long campaign, he's tired, we'll just, he deserves to go off and be a horse. And they said, no, we want to win the damn Breeders' Cup sprint, so bring him back, spot his races very carefully, which Asmussen is doing. He said that the forego is next, and the Breeders' Cup sprint, and then he's retired. Uh, yeah, I, I, this is so great. So great to see this horse keep going. Um, we do want to talk about, whoops, talk a little bit about the uh, other race that was part of I want to talk about that race one more thing. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Really interesting from a betting perspective. So I, I gave out my best bet of this day was the cold exact of Jackie's Warrior Willie Boy. No knee deep in snow, completely different tactics just to try and get second in the race. As a better, kind of sucks, but like knee deep in snow, not really one that looking to come from off the pace. No. But, but acclaimed by 10 strike, a few starts back for 80,000, now has black type, grade one black type. They completely changed the tactics just to get second against, uh, against, Jackie's Warrior, which I thought was interesting. And one of those things where 10 Strike Racing, really smart ownership group, right? You kind of sometimes have to, when you're betting, look into this. I was kicking myself a little bit, thinking that they would just blindly send this horse. They're a little bit too smart to blindly send this horse in some cases, 10 Strike specifically. So sometimes the ownership group has to be something you're looking into in these spots because after the race, you look at it and you're like, oh, well, they just wanted to run second. And they thought the best way to do that was to sit off and then make one run. I mean, it worked. They cashed the paycheck. They got grade one placing for him. Uh, he's a gelding, so it doesn't matter, but it's still nice. Uh, they, there's a rumor going around that they firmly believe they're going to win the Breeders' Cup sprint with this horse. Um, it, that tactic right there, sitting off and going. I mean, you need to be a little closer to Jackie's Warrior and hope that somebody pushes him or he doesn't fire, but a little sneaky there. A little sneaky for them to also try that tactic, not just to get second, but to see like Jackie's work. And he rate with knee deep in snow. Uh, I remember you can't even see it on the screen here because it hasn't run there so long. This horse was a speed demon. If he got the lead in California, he was great. But if he broke and didn't have the lead, you could rip your tickets up in two seconds. So uh, I was very surprised and impressed by the tactic. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting what happens here. Uh, all right. So let's keep staying with the sprint division. Let's go talk about the Bing Crosby stakes. This was an actual Breeders' Cup winning year in for the sprint division. At Del Mar on Saturday, uh, Del Mar on Saturday had the, and I had heard so many people say it that I'm like, okay, I get it. There was an outer speed bias, outer track bias on the main track. Uh, you saw a lot of horses going four or five wider on both turns, like Royal Ship, and get the job done very easily. American Theorem, uh, an imp- really impressive effort, regardless of a track bias or not, Mike. I thought this was impressive. Where does he rank in the division here? Uh, um, 
He ranks as the most likely horse to pick up the pieces right now in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. <laughs> how, about, how about that? Is that fair? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, this division is so murky to me because you have horses that pop up out of nowhere. We don't know. Like, I was thinking about this. Is Jack Christopher going to the Sprint or the Mile? I would go Dirt Mile with him. I think, I think he can do that. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see where he lands next and if it's if it's going to be in the Allen Jerkins or if it's going to be in the Travers, what, he decide, what, what they decide to do with him. Um, if it's the Allen Jerkins, the sprint looks like a likely the possible, then if the sprint looks like a possible target there. And you also have all these three-year-old sprinters that are then going to take on the older sprinters. So, I, I mean, right now, American Theorem is one of those horses where really good tactically, has a big kick, is able to make moves from the middle of the pack, which you want to see, has tactical speed early, like 22 and two or 21, 22 and one. And he's only four or five lengths off the lead here. Um, I, I would put him, you know, top three, top four in the division right now, but it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah, you know, it's. I I've always known uh, this horse since he was a two year old before he even debuted, and, and they really thought that he was part of American Pharaoh's first crop, which is crazy that Pharaoh's first crop is now five. But uh, it's boy, he's got a beautiful look to him when he when he turned the corner and turned on the Jets. I went, well, okay, that's that's actually impressive. I'll give that to him. Um, I don't know. To me, my best bet of the day was the two Shahs in here, and he was buried on the rail and part of it. You know, he, he there was against the track bias, but he didn't break that well. And when you break slowly from the rail going six furlongs, you're kind of in trouble. I'm curious to see what they do with shots because Baffert was pretty high on this horse. He's been working consistently with Country Grammar, who we'll talk about in a minute, ran really well. Uh, I think with maybe a better draw, I don't know if he wins, but I think he's definitely looking a lot better than that. So, again, I'm curious to see what they do with him. Um, is there anyone out of this that you maybe want to follow? Maybe let's get lucky. He was second to Jackie's warrior earlier this year. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if all four of these top four horses continue down the Breeders' Cup sprint path, whether or not they all make it there. We'll see. Shaz, I think you should expect to be there. That's the plan for that horse. I don't think yeah. this is going to be a deterrent. Get her number. We got a lot of people talking in the chat here around get her number, specifically the loading price and the off odds price. That's a California problem. Uh, it's one of those things when you're watching Saratoga and you're watching California. Uh, Saratoga has implemented a no no uh, computer wagering in the last two minutes. California okay. hasn't implemented that yet. That makes a big difference. You're seeing a lot of com computer money roll in, especially if you look at the double prices and how they line up. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes horses get absolutely pounded. Now, this one is interesting because everyone complains about this. Think about how much money went into the wind pool and got siphoned to the other horses that won because a horse went from 24 to 1 to 7 to 1, loading into the gate. It sucks as someone who bets it because you're like, well, shit, I wouldn't have bet this horse is 7 to 1. But it's great if you bet any other horse because all of a sudden it, it takes a lot of money in a grade one to move the number that much in the gate. So uh, I would assume that that was a computer wager. And I would assume that's why I brought the price out. I bet I, I don't know this, but I bet it was semi in line with the doubles, probably not exactly in line with it, but pretty close to it. And, yeah, it's interesting that it's a Peter Miller horse who then runs big and runs second and only loses because Amer American Theorem fires a huge shot here. Uh, Trevor Deming called it live too in the race that uh, Joe Bravo lost the whip right after he right after he straightened for home. There went the crop, and he just kind of was like, and Deming's like, I don't think it matters. I was like, it's California; it doesn't matter anyway. He can only use it six total times, and he's I've already seen him hit him three. So <coughs> I didn't really, I'm sorry, I didn't really have a lot of bullets left in the chamber there. Um, I saw Nick Feldman brought up. Let's get lucky. I think you know, watch out for this horse a little bit underneath player for the Breeders' Cup Sprint possibly. Four-year-old son of Munnings, you know, he'll uh, he'll be, what, second or third off the layoff next time out. So, um, yeah, he's second off the layoff for him. So, if you can stay healthy, see what happens. The next stop, probably for a lot of these horses, is the grade two Pat O'Brien, which is a seven-furlong race, and it's a winning year for the Dirt Mile. 
which has never made sense to me, but <laughs> there we go. Uh, so we'll see what happens with these horses going there, but it's California. The dirt division is really screwy. Before we talk about the rest of it, stay in the sprint division real quick. The Amsterdam on Sunday, uh, we've got a big field of three-year-olds in here, a lot of them with promise, including your undefeated Breeders' Cup juvenile champion, Corniche. Uh, we'll talk about what happened to him in a second, but Gunite, seven to one, really nice effort. This horse loves Saratoga, Mike. Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the keys when we're talking about this race is this horse loves Saratoga. Um, if we're talking about a possible Breeders' Cup sprint champion, give me the the, the five, a creative all day, every day over the two Gunite. I mean, this is the second time we've seen Gunite fire an absolutely massive shot. The first one being, in the, I think it was the grade one hopeful at Saratoga last year, ran second in the, the Saratoga special. So clearly absolutely loves this track. And a creative is green as any horse can be coming down this lane. If you watch a creative, like, and yes, there's a little bit of hang job in here. This is also a second career start. Yeah. Like this horse was kind of when once a creative came up to Gunite and Gunite kept going, a creative kind of tucked in toward Gunite and then just didn't really get that same momentum. It looked like creative, a creative was going straight by at the eighth pole. And then just kind of didn't. And they ran extremely fast in this race for a slow, tiring Saratoga dirt track, which is what it has been consistently so far for this meet. This was a, a racehorse time. And these two put on an absolute show. We don't know how well Creative will do in Keeneland or outside of New York yet. Um, but this effort, I thought, was absolutely monstrous. And, and right here, you're going to see a Creative come to the outside of Gunite. And it, it looks like right when here when we switch leads that we're rolling right on by. And then we just kind of duck in a little bit. And, and you can tell the horse a little tough to handle here for Irad and just just can't get the job done right there is that the first tuck in and the second one here just doesn't want to go by. Yeah, his, his leads were bouncing around a little bit late there, probably right around the contact time there. That's all the stuff with experience. Yep. That, I'm with you. That, that was gonna, and you. I think you knew my next question was going to be who do you want uh, moving forward because the next stop for these horses – uh, assuming they come out of this is the grade one jerkins and that's at seven furlongs whereas this was six and a half um so I, i'm with you i think a creative you know sky's the limit but 101 buyers for both of these horses uh a creative is son of practical joke if chad brown is smart and we think he is we know he is uh that horse is probably going to stay at one turn uh malibu maybe like after the breeders cup and malibu with seven furlongs looks pretty good for him too Maybe. I mean, the, the problem is Jack Christopher is, is like square in that same line, right? I mean, like uh, to me, if you're going to not go classic, Sprint makes sense. Malibu makes sense. I mean, you have a bunch of other you have Jack Christopher sitting there with the exact same style as a creative here for these races. And so it'll be interesting to see how he, he manages those two. Jack Christopher better at a mile than a creative based on the breeding. So maybe you send Jack Christopher there. You got a creative going in the sprint. You've got multiple going in the classic. Early voting might be another one you want to think about for a mile versus the mile and a eight, a mile and a quarter of the classic too. So like yeah. Chad Brown has some decisions to make and where he wants to place these horses and what trail he wants to place them on. It'll be interesting if we do get Jack Christopher in the H. Allen Jerkins because having Jack Christopher in there with Gunite with Accretive, uh, that race is going to be another absolute banger. If I you know if things worked out well for early voting, I would skip the Breeders' Cup. And I would go for the grade one Clark. That's a mile in the eighth after the Breeders' Cup. And, and most of the horses that would win that aren't in it anymore because they were at the Breeders' Cup. So that could be a good spot for him. Um, if they want to keep him going at age four, but he's already the Preakness winner. So who knows, you know, son of Gunrunner, who knows what the breeding shed is already asking about. I love this comment here from Curtis Manlow. I don't know who will win the Breeders' Cup sprint, but Papa Cap will be third or fourth. Uh, gets fourth here again. That horse, he's as honest as that. I mean, it doesn't matter who's in the saddle, where he runs. Mike, he always tries. You got to love it. Yeah, he got dusted there. And I'm going to go ahead and say he will be like, he. I don't know if he'll even make the sprint gate. And that's the problem. Like once you put the older horses in here, 
Papa Cap gets a little weird, right? Like <laughs> Papa Cap is because he gets dusted every time too. None of these races are close. That's the thing. He loses well, by like ten lengths to Jack Christopher, by five lengths to Jack. It's like there's not close races. He just gets dusted, and there's no one good enough to run in between him and the horse dusting him because they're all three year olds still. You know who uh, who who we finally turned the tables on though is your last place finish here and your eight to five favorite Corniche. Uh, as Dave Marista says, Corniche dropped a frog, throw the race out. Uh, boy, was that was it that or was it the detox is a bitch? Um, well, here's the thing the one trainer who has done well with Baffert horses leaving the Baffert barn has been Pletcher. See, life is good, a couple other instances. So, the dropping a frog thing is definitely valid from an excuse perspective because it is extremely painful for a horse to run because it's like there's no padding on that foot or on the the the, uh, the heel of the the uh, the heel of the whatever you want to call it. Oh. Yeah. Hoof, there it is. Why couldn't I think hoof? Um, so really painful to run. Makes an excuse. I was against him in this race. Like I said on Dude's Who Bet Daily, he wins, I lose, fine. It's all going to be price dependent for me. I like the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile has been atrocious. See Papa Cap getting dusted. Um, it, like that Papa Cap's literally the best horse that's come out of that race, and no one else yeah. has run back at all decently, let alone at all back at two turns. And Papa Cap can't really go two turns. So like the Breeders' Cup Juvenile being so bad and then having this effort first off, like I, I would need like 10 to 1 to play back this horse. It would have to be a pretty big number. So the first, second, and fifth place finishers of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile were all in this race, and they were Papa Cap, Pinehurst, and Corniche. And that's where they – but you're right, Papa Cap, easily the best one to come out of that. Uh, somebody in our YouTube comments earlier was asking in a different video – uh, if we thought that the Brad Cox horse, the, the Uncle Mo horse that won uh, that really impressively early at Saratoga, if we thought that that was a horse that could make the Derby, and I was like, listen, not only is it hard to keep a horse healthy for an entire year, but these horses, like when they are great summer stars at two, you get them to the Breeders' Cup, but beyond that, it's really hard for them to be successful. And I, and I mentioned, like, look at the best ones. You've got Jack Christopher, you've got Gunite. You've got wit, like they're all doing well, but they all missed the Kentucky Derby trail. They all didn't come back for a while. And two of them, possibly three are best at one turn. So uh, you just have to be careful. Like it's fun to enjoy them when they're two-year-old stars now, but be careful in August thinking they're going to win in May next year. You brought up a great point there. They all came back to be one-turn stars. A lot of the greatest stakes as two-year-olds are one-turn races, yeah. right? If you go back, there's seven furlongs or one-turn mile. There's like the Breeders' Cup is so unique from a juvenile perspective. It's a lot of times that, that the, those horses have tried two turns for the first time, or at least in a lot of cases as two-year-olds. And so it's much more difficult to project forward, hey, can this horse get a mile and a quarter after a winter off where they're going to mature? A, are they going to mature to get to the point that they can get it? B, are they bred to get that extra distance? Because there's a big difference between a mile and 16th and sucking wind at the end of it and going a mile and a quarter and actually being able to finish the job to win the Derby. So there's, there's this massive jump forward. There's this breeding difference. And, and there's just this developmental difference. They have to develop. And it also gives the rest of the crop the time to catch up to them mentally. The horses that are winning these graded stakes at two are mentally further along than a lot of their, their uh, opponents. Whereas by the time we're in the spring of the three-year-old season, you have exponentially more horses who are mentally ready to compete at that level. That makes the waters a lot deeper. Uh, Dave brings up a great point that uh, Corniche is unbettable because his price won't be there when he drops down. I mean, yeah, you're right. He's eight to five here. You take a class drop to say that the, they wouldn't go there, but the Oklahoma Derby is in two months. You know, I was looking for his next spot possibly if they don't stretch him out. 
three to five in the Oklahoma Derby. And who, nobody wants to touch him there unless he's back with Baffert, and he probably won't be. I mean, what, what about an N2X, right? Like a three-year-old N2X, this horse is one to five, right? There's, well, there's no performance. You can't touch him. There's, there's, really, there's really very few spots that Carniche will enter that he won't be the favorite or won't be way over his head, right? It's A or B. It's yeah. very – you keep – like spotting him to be four to one in a field would be exceptionally difficult. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and talk about the – yeah, we've got the classic division to go here. We'll go back to Delmar on Saturday for the grade two San Diego handicap. Uh, Royal ship, just like we drew it up, wins it at nine to one, uh, yeah. running probably closer to the outer rail than the inner rail all day or all race. Kevin, is this true? What's that? Is Asanova really mandatory tonight? Let me know. I did. I didn't realize it was. There's like half. I know a the Manitoba Derby's tonight. There's like half a million sitting in that pool. We may have to come up with a quick ticket here after the show. Well, when do you not? Uh, play yes. Asanova? Come on. It uh, is? Manitoba Derby night to feature record mandatory pick five payout. I love it. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Yeah, everyone should get in on that. There's a lot of money. I think that's a 20 cent denomination, too. So it's kind of fun to spread there. Because it's Canada. Yeah, because it's Canada. Oh, okay. Olay, olay, olay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, Serious question for everyone in the chat. I'm going to completely sidetrack this because my uncle funny. asked me this and I didn't, I'm not sure. So w- when we are betting Canadian races, we bet in US dollars, right? When you're in Canada and you walk to the window, are you betting in US dollars? And if you aren't, how is that commingling as a pool? Because it's not like they're betting. 28 cent which would be the, the exchange rate right 28 cent pick fives they're being 20 cent canadian dollar pick fives right and we're being 20 cent u.s dollar pick fives yeah it's the same pool thoughts that's a great question for pat cummings <laughs> that's a great question for pat cummings I, I was thinking about like my uncle asked this to me and i'm like if they're betting canadian there and we're betting u.s here and there's we're an getting the same odds them, not one to one like what's Equibay shows the Canadian payout. So you well, get that's the, they money. show the payout for the purses that way, but the it's the payout that we get. Like I would get it from TVG. It's the same. Right. Because if, if they're showing a Canadian payout and I'm getting paid the Canadian payout, but I'm betting in US dollars and it's not, I'm not betting 18 cent pick fives, I'm betting 20 cent, there seems to be a little bit of. So who's benefiting? Are we benefiting or are we getting screwed? We're getting screwed. Oh. Well, then let's raise hell and burn it all down, Lori. Let's go. I just I, I don't know the answer to this. That's why I'm asking the question. And I, I doubt the answer is at Woodbine on track, they're betting 20 cent U.S. pick fives. That seems like it is not the correct answer, even though everyone in the U.S. is betting 20 cent U.S. pick fives into that pool. So if they're betting 20 cent, okay. Huh. Anyway, you want to talk about Del Mar for a little Let's talk about Del Mar now. It's just, just completely sidetracking. I know, no, my brain's going to. Let's stay on this real quick. Royal shit, because I don't know what the hell happened in this race, Mike. That's my first question. Imagine if this was a Baffert horse, what people would have said. <laughs> people would have lost their damn mind. Yeah, I have no clue what happened here. Like, honestly, I'm never getting to Royal Ship at 9-1 to here. Yes, there's races you can point back to say Royal Ship and Country Grammar were the best two horses this division last year. I'm still not getting there. Congratulations. What do you do moving forward? to me, is as big of a question. And by the way, people who say weight doesn't matter, weight made a big difference here. Country Grammar carrying 125, everyone else carrying sub 121. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, he, You can see there in the end that Royal Ship was uh, able to kind of keep that distance on. I mean, the Country Grammar was moving well, and, and it looked like physically moving well. Uh, you know, Royal Ship had to jump on him. Um, first of all, Parnelli, a length away from third. If he'd finished third, Aaron Halton was going to have to come on here and uh, admit that I'm better than him, but as we all know, 
that's not the case. Uh, he is at least better than defunded senior Buscador. There we go. Let's talk about that. Is, is Mandaloon done? Like, should he just officially retire at this point? I, there was no real fight or desire from him in this. It made no sense why he was in this race. Well, they're scared of the Whitney. There's no way he was going to win the Whitney, so you come here for a better spot. It made no sense. Well, how is this a better spot? Explain than the Whitney? How- Olympiad? Flight? Or not flight? Uh, Olympiad and uh, life is good. Yeah, this is a, a weaker field, but like... That's what I mean. It's weaker field. $300,000 race versus the Whitney's a million, right? So you got a significantly less pool. Like, this is a track man who's never run over. Like, how is this a better spot? You know, I just, or did he run in the, he might have run in the classic. Did I, did I get that wrong? No, I think he missed it. Did he skip it? Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it, it. a racetrack yeah. he's never run over. Yeah. A racetrack he's never run over versus a field that he's never really run against any of them. And it's like, I don't think this was a good spot for Mandaloon. Why isn't Mandaloon in Kentucky? Why isn't Mandaloon? Like if I'm Mandaloon, I'm in the middle of America and I'm beating up on those crappy horses. Cause there's a lot of those crappy horses you could beat up on in this grade two level. Yeah. He's just he's not a grade one horse. He has not progressed from three to four to be able to keep up with these horses at, at the older level. And yeah. at some point you gotta just say, Hey, you know, it's not good enough. He's he's Maxfield. It's okay, it's fine. Maxfield was okay too for a little while, and then he sucked. And now you know Mandaloon was okay for a little while, and now he sucks. It's fine. Sorry, Maxfield slander. I just don't like Maxfield. That's funny. I want to expose, yeah, yeah. He doesn't need to retire. He needs to wait for Kentucky, Churchill Downs to run terrible grade two races with bad dirt horses who are going to get waxed in the, in the Breeders' Cup. What is that? What's, what's the big race at Remington Park at the end of the, their meet for older horses? That's where he needs to go. The uh, not the Not the Oklahoma Derby. What's the older horses race? If Aaron was around, he'd know what I was talking about. But something like that. Just go out to like Remington. Don't even go Churchill Downs. You might not be Churchill Downs quality anymore. Go to Remington. Go to Prairie Meadows. Yeah, there, look, there are. There is no way this is a good spot for this horse. That's my that like there it's zero reason why you should have shipped this horse to California and run in this spot. It, it told a, like I was completely off Mandaloon before, and when they she showed up here, I'm like, no, not even gonna t- nope, not gonna touch him. Like this is just it made no sense for Mandaloon to show up in this spot. Uh, well, that's, yeah, Jason echoes Mike's point. You made a lot of money beating up horses in crappy grade twos and grade yeah. threes. I mean, that, maybe that's why they came to California thinking this is a crappy grade two because other than country grammar off the long layoff, who are you really scared of in this field? Well, I, um, I thought this field was actually decent. I thought it was competitive. I should say that. And Mandaloon was a cup below seven horses in here in my mind. And I guess he got four. So maybe that's both that's what it stakes, mean. Both greatest stakes at Del Mar on Saturday may not produce superstars, but holy hell. Yeah, great betting races. Uh, let's talk about this was the local prep for the Pacific Classic. They're going to go from a mile and a 16th to a mile and a quarter. Big difference there. Uh, when they rematch, Country Grammar will be second off of the, uh, the the Dubai bounce there. The Dubai bounce. Great effort from him in this spot, by the way, I thought. Uh, so do you take Country Grammar in the rematch versus Royal Ship? Uh, what are the prices? If it's two to I, one, I don't know that it's going to get much better for either one of them than two to one. Well, uh, Royal Ship's going to be. There's no way he's nine to one in the Pacific Classic after winning this. I mean, look, there's going to be a weight shift. There's going to be an odd shift. I'm probably on country grammar after both those happen. Now, will I like someone else in there because I don't want to play both of these? Possibly. Um, Possibly flight line. The fact that Stiletto Boy ran third pretty much shines a light on the, how bad the rest of the field is. <laughs> so, again, no, no offense to Stiletto Boy who consistently runs in third or fourth in a lot of these races. But if you're not beating Stiletto Boy, you're probably not going to beat Country Grammar in the Pacific Classic. Um, as Nick says, for the Pacific Classic, it's going to be very interesting. A few coming in with momentum, and then you've got Flightline waiting here. 
Uh, I, Aaron and I were talking about this because I was like, dude, I've watched the, I watched the replay half a dozen times for this race, and I got done. And each time I was like, other than Country Grammar is going to be a great use in the Pacific Classic. I don't know what the hell to make of this anything in this race. I don't like anything really out of this race. So um, he's going to the Pacific Classic. The, probably the top three. I'm with you. Go that direction. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if Brad Cox comes up with an excuse for Mandaloon. I mean, he did race a lot farther back than usually likes to do. So maybe they'll try and use that as an excuse. But what do you do? Uh, I, I what do you do with there goes Harvard now? That well, they probably cool. wish they were in the, the grade two Eddie Reed the day next day, which Michael McCarthy as trainer did win. By the way, I mean, this is this is just an absolute no show effort, though. I mean, like, I, first off, the horse going off at twenty two to one, I thought was crazy because the, the morning line was what five to one on this horse. Um, it floats 15. up and then no, no five, it's five to one morning. Holy shit! He yeah. was five to oh, that's right because he won the gold cup. I forgot. And so, like, right. this is just an absolute no-show off those previous races. And so, I just to me, it's just like, I don't know what to do with There Goes Harvard, who I liked in this race going into it. And I liked it 22-1 to 1 and just runs an absolute clunker. Now, the inside, like you mentioned, not a great place to be. That's where he was the whole race. Maybe you can – but, like, you don't lose by this much and say, oh, it was the inside of the track. He just seemed like he didn't care uh, about running. Has he – I know he's going to cover the replay for a second. That was his first time at Del Mar's Dirt. And Del Mar's Dirt is very tricky. Some horses love it and some – Hate it so, and he was he not happy here. Getting a lot of kickback. You can see, he's tossing his head there. He got a lot of kickback. He might have just really hated yeah. Delmar's dirt. And it is, I mean, in the summertime, <clears throat> excuse me, because we don't get much rain out here. You know, it is dusty. Yeah, in California, it's not as dusty as Santa Anita, but um, I mean, look at Royal Ship four wide both turns. He's going to be on the outside of country, which smart move by Mike Smith to constantly keep uh, country grammar right there, but. Yeah, I don't. There's no way you should go four wide two turns at Del Mar and win as easily as he did again when you're on par with a, a few of the horses in here. Well, and we also should at least give Royal Ship the credit. If you go back, pull pull this down for a second. If you go back to Royal Ship's PPs real quick, he ran against Country Grammar twice and won once and ran second once, like heads apart last year. So it's oh, not, I remember. It's not like this is like completely out of the realm of possibility. It was the California and the Gold Cup there, back to back races. They they they're head and neck apart, right? So so you could make an argument. Now we haven't seen anything like that since. Like so, I get it. I mean, right. I guess like the one race like that since, but that was at Santa Anita where he just ran away from the field. It it just this was a surprising effort, but it's it's clearly in there. It's it's possible. It was just surprising. Uh, I was on the rail with uh, Geist for the Gold Cup in 2021. And we, were, we thought Royal Ship was going to win, and Country Grammar had the re-break of re-breaks on the inside, and we just screamed re-break the whole rest of the way. Um, all right, let's talk talking about this race. It was a little trash. That's fine. Let's answer this one real quick. Oh, Any chance Neighbor runs in the Pacific Classic? What do you think? No. Yes. There's a chance. I'm not saying you will. Oh, okay. Any chance? Yes. There is a chance. I say it's 5%. I would think it's higher than that. I think it's probably 30, 25 to 30%. I, look, I realize there's other places you can find for three-year-olds. Why not run him at home? Why not like find out if he's a Breeders' Cup Classic horse right away? Flight line, country grammar. Two big reasons why you don't. Eh, I mean, you're going to face him in the next race anyway. Yeah, but like, find me a place that lets you cheat it like Monmouth does better than Parks, where they have the Pennsylvania Derby for a million dollars in grade one status. Real, real quick, who won the training title at Del Mar last year? Peter Miller? Yeah, yeah, Peter Miller. Okay, there's your answer. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> but listen, it's a new year, right? We're, we're finally – remember when Oakland did that? We're like, we're cracking down. Everybody went, 
Yep, Peter okay. Mill only has three wins this year now, right? Uh, his horses have been running well. Uh, <laughs> all right, let me see. Do I have any other notes here? Nope, that was pretty much it. Uh, listen, thanks everybody for joining us for the Magic Mike Show. There was a lot to get through so far. Um, hey, we don't want to talk about that race. That's the one that hurt Dr. Tang a lot. <laughs> Masterpiece <laughs> winning. Uh, that one was a big one. Big bummer there. Uh, thank you. They do have the shared belief stakes for three-year-olds. That's pretty soon. It's a mile on the 16th. I think that'd be way too soon for him to run back. It's also not graded, is it? What's that? It's not graded either, is it? Yeah, it's like 125. It's a mile, mile on the 16th, ungraded. Yeah, it's for him, it wouldn't be worth it. They do have it, but um, wouldn't be there. Uh, it is Whitney Stakes weekend, which is very exciting. We're going to have the racing dudes inside track to the Whitney Stakes wagering guide available uh let's see the draw is wednesday so probably thursday that'll be available if you're a subscriber a monthly subscriber you get that included uh you'll also get if you're a monthly subscriber you'll get the traverse guide included as well it's going to be fitting within the same month so if you were thinking about buying the whitney guide and the traverse guide you literally will save money just by becoming a monthly subscriber and uh mike the question are you going to be at the whitney uh, you will also buy a monthly subscriber, be eligible to enter the tournaments, which cost ten bucks, have one hundred fifty dollars added into the pool every every other Friday. So that's worth. I was going to say well. that, but you were dancing all over, distracted. Oh, okay, it's time. It's time, baby. Sign it up. Um, no, I will not be at the Whitney because I have a golf tournament this weekend. So I'm out Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, so you'll have Aaron Halterman filling in for me, I assume, on Thursday. Um, Magic take notes, and uh, I'll make sure all my previews are done for the weekend by Wednesday as well. However, I still will be supplying videos for Dude Soup at Daily. Uh, that Aaron is going to have to put in here somehow, which Magic may be responsible for cutting in here too. So I'm letting him know right now that that's happening. Um, but no, I will not be there on Saturday. However, I am planning on being there on Sunday. I'll be getting back late on Saturday to Saratoga and then hopefully uh, being at the track on Sunday. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, don't worry about doing the, the Del Mar race I gave you because that, yeah, that, that, that they won't come out till Thursday. So don't worry about that one. <laughs> Cool. Hey, yeah, that's right. You do have that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to miss you on Thursday. So I would assume, well, it'll possibly be Aaron. He's having internet problems where he's at. So uh, he's close to leaving New York now because he's mad about it. So, um, but yeah, awesome. somebody will join me on Thursday at 5 Eastern to talk about Saratoga's late pick five, which is going to have the Whitney. We could have the test stakes, the four, or not the four coast stakes. Uh, I already forgot what else is on there. The Glens Falls, I know, is going to be on there. What is it? The Whitney, the test. Oh, the Saratoga Derby. That's right. And then on Sunday, Saratoga Oaks, uh, our good friend Geist has uh, Oakhurst in that with Joel Rosario riding, and uh, she's going to be really good there. And I think we can catch her at a price. So uh, very excited. And you get to be there at the track. Is Geist going to be there too? I've, I've not heard from him officially. I know the plan was to be here for it, though. Because Geist, she either wins or runs like a winner whenever Geist is at the track. So if Geist is going to be there, we get her at a price, Mike. I love yeah. it. Make sure if you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel as well and you're checking this out or if you're listening later, uh, make sure you subscribe. I have three horses that are going to come out for Stabled Up this week. I've got two that are out for Saratoga, and I got a 20-to-1 bomb at Monmouth that I'm stabling up because it was an interesting claim back. I'm also talking about why I like these horses. So a lot of the Stabled Up horses I have are horses I liked going into this race, going into the race. I bet on and they got a terrible trip or there was something that happened during the race. The ride was awful, something like that. Some change is happening that makes me want to bet them back. I had two horses at Saratoga on Saturday that I have uh, added for the, the stable them up. And then I have a third horse at Monmouth from, I believe it was Sunday, that I want to bring back as well uh, that I think is worthwhile. Uh, hopefully we can get some prices on them. So we'll have multiple stable up features this week as well. So make sure you're subscribed over on the YouTube channel, YouTube backslash Racing Dudes, I think it is. Yeah, pretty yeah. good enough. Yeah. Uh, there's a dot com in there somewhere. But, people, but if yeah, you don't I'm know good. that, you probably shouldn't be on the Internet. Uh, <laughs> Grandma, I'm talking to you. Uh, go back home. 
Uh, I do want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, like I said, uh, Michael will be missing on Thursday. We'll miss you, but uh, you're going to be having fun with your annual golf tournament. So we'll be talking Saratoga. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Lots of previews over at the site, youtube.com slash racing dudes. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Kellward. He is SMO bomb 18, number one, number eight. Let us know if you're going to be at the track. And of course, don't forget, sign up for betptc.com using promo code dudes, D-U-D-E-S. That'll get you $200 new member bonus after you bet 750 until next time, which for you, Mike will be next week. I'm magic. And I'm Mike. Good, Good luck this week, everybody. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. 